Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hello everybody. How are you today? I hope you are having the most wonderful week. I've got a jam-packed episode for you today. I'm hoping we can get through it all in one episode because I've got so much to unpack for you guys today around this whole concept that we're all starting to see more and more about a digital ID. Now, if you don't know a lot about it, then you are going to completely understand this by the end of this episode. If you think that you know a lot about it, I think you're going to understand even more. I am going to divide today into three parts, maybe four. We're going to look at what is a digital ID, like what are all the benefits, pros and cons. Then we're going to look at where did it come from? Thirdly, we're going to look at where could this be going? And then we'll touch on, uh, should we be worried about this? So that's that's where we're going today. What is a digital ID? Where did it come from? Where's it going? Should we be concerned? Now, I've wanted to talk about digital ID for a while now, but something else pressing always seems to come up. But I don't think we can put it off any longer, guys. It is starting to uh, to hit us up in every which way. I mean, here in Queensland this week, they finally announced that our licenses, our driver's license was going digital. So more and more, our whole lives are starting to go digital online. And so even at the movies this week, I was sitting there with Cameron and up pops this ad put on by the Australian government about this uh, Connect ID, which is, um, again, it was, well, I had to go home and look it up. I was like, what are they talking about? What's Connect ID? How's this different to digital ID? Um, but basically, it's just another another website where they could verify all of your information and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we'll go into it in just a minute. But it's definitely coming up more and more. And guys, in case you didn't know, the plan is for the digital ID for you and me to have a digital ID rolled out next year in 2024. So what is it that they're rolling out? What is it? Where does this idea come from? And where's it going? Because I think we need to know where it's come from and where's it going to be able to ascertain, is this a good idea or not? So let's start off with what actually is a digital ID. Let me just give you a little bit of context first before we go into that. I'm sure that you guys have all heard or that you all would have, even if you're not aware of it, all of us have got a MyGov account. I don't even remember giving consent to having a MyGov account. It was just all of a sudden I started getting emails from MyGov. And so MyGov is currently at the moment the way that we all securely link and access government services online, right? So it was really confusing to me at first, but you can link up Like previously, I would have to go to Medicare separately or go to Centrelink separately or go to the ATO separately. But now everyone's got a MyGov account and all the government services are all um, in that one-stop shop, right? So you can link up Medicare, you can link up your health record, which includes your vaccine record. You can link up Centrelink, the ATO. Um, You can even link up Uh, services such as the National Cancer Screening Register. So that's currently at the moment 
how we access all of that. But then, of course, like I said, we've got um, uh, our licenses that have just gone digital. Um, I'm waiting for passports. I'm pretty sure passports soon will be another thing that will go digital. So how is this different from your digital identity? Well, at the moment, whenever we set up um, a new... um, service, like say we're first, we're first setting our kids up with Medicare, um, or we're just turned 15, we've got our first job and we're setting up, uh, you know, with the ATO, or you want to go into the bank and you want to open up a new bank account, or you want to go and get a, um, a mortgage for the first time, right? Every time you go in and you access a new service like this, you have to show them your ID, So you have to prove who you are. And how do we normally do that? Well, we provide things like copies of our passport, uh, our birth certificate, um, things like, you know, your Medicare number. All of these things can be used to open up new accounts or whatever it is that you want to do. Even things like going for a rental property, right? You've got to be able to prove who you are and getting married. I mean, the amount of people that Cameron and I would marry them. And again, they've got to bring all of their passports and their birth certificates. And so what happens is all of these different um, organizations have these verified copies. And then of course, we all know what it's like. We go through the painful process of having to go and get them verified by a justice of the peace, right? Like we can't just take a photocopy and upload it and go, oh, here, this is really me. You've got to go to a justice of the peace and it's a pain in the neck. You've got to go and make sure, A, where are they? When are they going to be sitting there? Usually they're in your local Westfield. And then you've got to line up and you've got to bring them the original and then you've got to prove who you are. And then they, you've got to bring photocopies and they sign the copies, right? So it's very, very annoying process. So basically, instead of having to do that over and over again, your digital ID is a one-stop shop online where you only have to like verify who you are just at the start when you um, sign up to have your own digital ID. And then after that, you don't have to keep proving yourself over and over and over with these different documents every time you're going to open up a new account or do whatever it is that you're trying to do where you have to prove your identity. Instead of having to bring all those documents, you just give them your digital ID. I I don't know if it's a number. I guess it's a number. I don't know. But however it is, I'm not quite sure how that side of it works just yet. Um, But that's basically what it is. So there's so many benefits, right? So let's have a look at the benefits. Um, Well, for a starters, you're not going to have to carry around Uh, you know, a whole heap of paperwork wherever you go. You're not going to have to go physically and visit all of these different places. Um, There's obviously, I'm I'm thinking, I'm trying to verify this, but I'm thinking eventually your digital ID would be able to link up a whole heap of other services too, like you to your bank account and your license will be in there and your passport. Like surely it's, I think the aim would be to eradicate all the cards that you're carrying. And so you'll be able to have everything like a a digital footprint. Um, So 
it's you're not going to have to show physical copies whenever you're applying for things, right? So that's hugely convenient as well. So it's just eliminating all of that, the paperwork, the cards that we carry. Um, obviously, it makes everything super convenient that you can just do all of this online. I think a huge uh, benefit is that we're not going to have all these username and passwords. I've got so many username and passwords. I have a document where I keep them all because I forget them. That will eliminate all that because um, what will happen is all of these different places will just link up to your digital ID to, to access that information. So I know that banks, for example, I was having a bit of a Google about that. I had to put in really specific information to try and, or specific questions to find the information, but I'm like, okay, will this be attached to banks? Are banks getting involved with digital ID? And yes, they are. Apparently the National Australian Bank has already um, been rolling it out. So, um, rather than having to, you know, go into the bank to prove who you are. Like I had to go in recently because I wanted to take a certain amount of money out and they wouldn't let me do it online. And I had to go in and prove who I was. Well, that will all be eliminated. So a digital ID is meant to be uh, more secure. So at the moment, you know, copies of our, our, our IDs, like our licenses, our passports, our birth certificates, they're stored in all these different places, right? All these different organizations have got copies sitting there and that's how data breaches are happening. So when I applied for Blue Card Australia, I had to send in a copy of my license. Well, where's that sitting? Uh, and this is where you get all of the data breaches. So last year, I remember Cameron was involved in that Optus data breach because all of his personal information was hacked into. And so he spent hours on the phone trying to sort that out. Um, so when businesses need to verify who you are, they're no longer going to ask for or store copies of all of your documents. They will just go straight to your digital ID to verify who you are. So it's going to minimize all of the bother and the fuss. Uh, and um, obviously uh, there'll be a much lower risk of data breaches. Now it sounds really wonderful, right? The convenience is just going to be incredible. Uh, I mean, I remember one of my kids this year lost their, uh, lost their wallet and the pain that it was, the inconvenience to have to ring up all of these different companies, cancel all of the phones, or sorry, cancel all of the different cards and then have them all reissued and prove who he was. And it just was such a long process. So it's just going to be so much more convenient. Um, now I know that most people that I talk to are like, yes, this is going to be so good, right? Like I'm just busting for all of this digital. I just want to have everything in a one-stop shop. And I can understand that. Now, the closest that we have gotten to a digital ID in the last kind of couple of years would have been over COVID. This was probably the first time where the government actually tried to get the whole country to use a version of a digital passport. Of course, it was linked to the vaccinations. This was one of the first times where the government was trying to actually at first get everyone to download an app. They were like, guys, we need you to 
download this app and that was going to be like the one-stop COVID shop. But there was a lot of skepticism and people didn't trust it. They were like, why would I download this? Because I think that was how they were going to track us. Uh, The vaccines weren't even a thing at the time when they were trying to download that and people didn't like that idea. And so it kind of got downgraded to what then became the vaccine passport. And the way that they got us to do this was because they used the narrative, hey, this is unprecedented times. We're all in this together. This is the way to keep us safe. This is the way we're going to get back to normal. And based on that, they got everyone to move together as pretty much a whole country. And we all had to download this uh, vaccine passport. And our vaccine status was all uh, held in our digital wallet. Australia had never seen anything like this before, right? Where your status of vaccinated or not vaccinated, or even at one stage, it would go from, remember it went from green to red, like, oh, you're out of date. You need to update your vaccine status. And this uh, meant that we could or could not access services um, according to our status, right? Like depending on your status, you could or could not gain entry to cafes, restaurants, medical facilities, cinemas, universities, and so much more. So according to your vaccine status, you could or couldn't go over the border. According to your vaccine status, you even could or could not keep your job. That was just absolutely brutal. So here is my question. If a vaccine digital identity had that much power to control your and my life and what we were and were not allowed to do, how much more opportunity could a complete digital ID be able to do the same? So when you think about it, guys, any technology that can be used for good can also be used for evil. Now we've seen that with every new advancement. So obviously I'm about to go into the second part on where did this come from? But just before I do that, let's just think about this for a moment, right? Like before technology, for example, we had uh, magazines. That was a huge deal when, when Uh, magazines started to come into circulation. And as much as they became a great source of all sorts of information, they also became the first means by which pornography exploded, right? Hugh Hefner took the good old magazine and and turned that into uh, Playboy magazine. So another example would be the internet. The world's been changed by the internet, but then with the good came the bad of the creation of the dark web. For all the good changes that it's brought to the world, it's brought the unprecedented evil of pornography, pedophilia, and even child trafficking. What about the iPhone? You know, the device that we can't live without. It has also made us more disconnected and lonelier than ever before. We could go on and on. Now, most of you have only seen the good side to the internet. You don't know a time without it. I didn't grow up with the internet, so I remember the world before it, and I now obviously am observing post internet world. So while you've only known its convenience and how good that it's made your lives, I can see that it's actually brought about some very harmful outcomes as well. And this is why I want to talk about the digital ID. You know, with all of these issues, we tend to just think about how something affects us in this moment of time. And so we're like, yeah, of course, there's so much benefit and there is some benefit to the digital ID. Uh, This is so convenient. This is going to make my life so much easier. And so we don't stop to think about, well, hang on a second. 
can we just be a little bit more critical thinking about it? Like, why are we doing this? Where's this idea coming from and where might it be headed? And so that's what we're going to spend the rest of the time looking at. So we've looked at what it is. Um, I think we don't fully even understand what it is. I think there's a lot that we don't know about it. I mean, at the moment, that really only giving us the information that, oh, it's just a way to verify your identity. But, you know, we can see the world going this way. We know that our bank accounts will be attached. We know that our licenses now are being attached. It won't be long till our passports are being attached. So what else? So I think um, to understand it, we have to look more fully at where's this idea being being birthed? Where's this idea actually coming from? And can that give us a little bit more of a clue of, uh, of what this is and therefore where it could be heading? Now, the issue is that our love of convenience and our obsession with ourselves makes us so narrow-minded that we don't ask these important questions, right? So I want us to park on the second one. Where did this come from? Guys, this is not just a new initiative being rolled out in Australia. This is an agenda being rolled out across many countries across the world. But again, we don't think about that because we just live right now in 2023 in Australia and we don't stop to think about, is this happening everywhere else? Yes, it is. There is a global uh, agenda when it comes to the rollout of a digital ID, not different to how there was a global agenda to rolling out the vaccine. That did not just happen here in Australia. It was happening in many of the Western parts of the world and even not even Western, even the third world countries. There are many global agendas, guys, that are being rolled out. There is a a global agenda when it comes to the trans movement. I've talked about this before, that there's actually a world trans body who are, you can look them up. I've talked about it in the episode I did uh, probably last year, where they're setting the standard in trans care worldwide. And Australia, by the way, and I talked about this in that episode, is their golden child because we're adhering to their suggested protocol. Now, have you not noticed that news media outlets around the Western world, by the way, are also saying things in unison? I think it was Joe Rogan that played that absolutely crazy video of this collage of news anchors that almost say say things word for word right across different outlets, right across the world. Like that uh, that one at the time that he played, I think that was to do with COVID and the vaccines and safe and effective. And there was this collage of um, news anchors from everywhere, Canada, Australia, America, right across. It didn't matter where the media outlets were. They, they were playing everyone's voices like they were reading a script, right? Like this is safe and effective, misinformation, blah, 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 blah. Now, why is that happening? Well, that's because these global agendas are being rolled out at the same time. And that's why it's almost like we're reading the same script, right? Because we are all following the same agendas here. Australia, this is not just an an Australian government idea. We are part of a global agenda that's being rolled out. So where is this global agenda being driven from? Well, depending on what it is, most of these agendas are being driven from United Nations and then the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum. You've probably heard of these before. We've definitely all heard of the World Health Organization because they were the ones driving 
the uh, the the news that was coming out about COVID and the vaccine rollout, but you might have already also heard about the WEF or the World Economic Forum. So in the case of the digital ID, this is an idea coming out of the WEF. Now it does kind of extend even um, before that, but they're the ones that are really kind of driving this global digital ID. Now, I'm not going to stop and go into much detail about the WEF, except to say to you, please go and do your own research. Uh, Do I trust the WEF? Um, Personally, no, I don't. The WEF chairman, Klaus Schwab, uh, he has been hammering for decades this concept of stakeholder capitalism. Go do your own research on, on Klaus Schwab and the WEF. I don't want to go into detail, but basically in a nutshell, Klaus Schwab, who is the CEO or the chairman of the WEF, has got a... Um, a vision, I guess, for this concept of stakeholder capitalism. What is that? In a nutshell, it means that they want to give, he wants to give corporations more power over society and democratic institutions less. All right, let me say that again. So their vision is to give corporations more power over society and democratic institutions, aka our government, less power. So in other words, they want to give fewer, larger global corporations more of the power over society, which means over you. Now, in 2008, the WEF drafted an initiative called the Global Redesign. Now, you guys might hear sometimes people talking about the global reset and is that a conspiracy and what is it and what's the global reset? The global reset came out of this, the global redesign. What is the global redesign? It is a 600-page report on how they want to transform global governance. Okay, so look it up yourself. The global redesign It's a 600-page report on transforming global governance. Now, their vision within that global redesign is that, and I quote from it, the the government voice would be one among many without always being the final arbiter. Okay? So remember, we, Australia, are one of the 130 countries. I haven't told you that yet, but we are one of 130 countries who have signed into the WEF and the WHO, which is why we are in unison with them when things are rolled out here. It's not because it's Australia's idea. It's because it's part of a global agenda that we've signed into. And the interesting thing is that the vision of the WEF is that the government voice, so our government voice, your government voice is only going to be one voice among among many able to govern you, right? And it's not always going to be the final arbiter. That is what those that paper says. So in a nutshell, our Australian government that is here to serve you and me and protect you and me will not have the final say on matters concerning you and me. So why would Australia agree to rolling this out? Why would they agree to something that will lessen their power and not increase it? We'll go into a little bit more detail on that later on, but really it's the same reason that companies are pushing agendas like the LGBTQT or the rainbow flags, right? I've talked about this before as well. It's all to do with trade. 
So if you want to keep trading and being invested into, then you've got to tow the party line. Okay, so it's the same thing. So firstly, Australia has signed into the WEF and the WHO like, yes, we are a part of part of this. We're a part of wanting to move forward together. But secondly, there is a certain amount of pressure here. It's like, well, if we want to, you know, like these companies, if they want to keep being invested into, then they've got to tow the party line. And it's only the companies who are the socially responsible ones who get rewarded, right? So it's it's working kind of the same here. So who are these stakeholders? Remember I said the WEF wants to outroll this vision of the stakeholder capitalism, where they want corporations to have more power globally and the democratic institutions less. Who are these stakeholders that are going to get to govern you and me? Well, the WEF are the ones that get to decide that since they're the organizers of these other corporations. They're in partnership with these other corporations. And these corporations... Um, are inclusive of anything to do with basically oil, food, technology, and pharmaceuticals. Okay. So we're talking companies like Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, um, Shell, which is an oil company, Pfizer, AstraZeneca. Oh, you guys recognizing any of these companies, right? These corporations are already in partnership with the WEF. These are the corporations that they want to give more global power to, that they just say that outright. So the agenda, remember, of the WEF is stakeholder capitalism, to transform global governance, to give themselves and these corporations more control globally. So that's going to outwork itself in the areas particularly of food, oil, tech, and pharma. So you really have to ask yourself, well, how much do I trust these companies or these people? So you can see where I'm like, guys, critical thinking is really paramount here. Just don't hand the agency of your life over to anyone or anything without asking the hard questions. Don't just download apps and upload information because, oh, it's so convenient and this is the way of the future. You've got to ask yourself, where did this come from? So we've answered, you know, what is, to the best of our knowledge right now, what is the digital ID? We've looked a little bit at where it's come from, that we know now that it's part of, you know, a global idea that's been set out by the WEF. Um, Now, what I want to look at now is, well, where where is it headed? So we've partly established that this is not just an Australian government idea, right? This is an idea that we are embracing because it's one of, we're one of the countries who are in alliance with the WEF. So we're committed to rolling out all sorts of global agendas in the name of moving forward with the rest of the world. Now, remember the WEF, what do they want to do? They want to transform global governance and gain more corporate power over society when it comes to our food, our pharmaceuticals, oil and technology, which would include data collection. Okay. So that's where we kind of want to, um, focus the rest of our time together. So that means that all of the data collected about you, which is what will be collected in this, uh, digital, digital identity, right? So all of this is going to be sitting in a digital wallet, which yes, it's very convenient for us, 
But remember, this is being done so not just at the direction of our Australian government, who we hope have our best, uh, you know, uh, the best intentions at heart, but this is actually being done at the direction of the WEF. Now, if their agenda is global governance, how are they going to do that? Don't you think that the citizens of society will be much more easily uh, controlled when they can access us at the click of a button, right? Now, how are they going to do that? Well, we already know that they want more power uh, over us in the technical department and the technology of a digital identity is the perfect way to do that. So potentially now, and and this part where I'm saying, where could this be headed, right? We don't know for sure. This is just like, let's think critically about what could happen, knowing that there is this global agenda to want to have more uh, corporations having more power over society. And who is society? Well, it's you and me. So potentially, Could this digital ID be used to help them work towards their goal of global governance, aka global power? Now, some of you might go, well, like what's wrong with that, right? Like it makes sense for the world to function in a more global approach. I mean, the internet has given us immediate global reach. So what's wrong with my digital identity being part of a global system? Well, Yes, I can understand that, but I think there's two things here. Firstly, we have to remind ourselves who the people in control are and ask ourselves again, are they trustworthy? All those different companies that I talked about before, the pharmaceutical companies, specifically Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Microsoft, so we're talking Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, are these people trustworthy? Do I want them to have that much control over my life? And secondly, if there are benefits to the digital ID, if my digital ID was in the wrong hands, could it be used for bad? Could it be weaponized? So we're talking um, people who want to further remove democracy by sidelining our governments here, having access to our information. Now, this has got real world implications for all sorts, including how big tech is governed. So digitalization could provide a way for that for them to track and therefore control. Now I'm not I'm not actually guessing here. Again, this is out in plain sight. The WEF has joined with the WTO. Have you guys heard of the WTO? That's the World Trade Organization. So again, you can see a global there's a global agenda here when it comes to uh, to trade. And they drafted their thoughts, the WEF and the WTO, on what future trade and humanity should look like. Now, according to this draft, humans and objects are treated equally. People and movement would be tracked the same as any package, pallet, or container. In other words, humans are managed as trade and therefore tracked Also, part of this would be by using our global digital ID. So we would become a commodity, right? Part of the world trade system. So just like a parcel comes to your house, right? You know how everything's got a tracking number. So I know today I just had something delivered. I've got something I've been waiting on. Well, I just go to my emails. I click on the tracking number and I can literally see where it is. I can see if it's left the warehouse. I can see if it's gone to the post office yet. 
And so we can track a parcel. Well, the WEF and the WTO have put out a draft where they're like, that's how we see future trade, where we can track humans as objects, just like we track a parcel. Now, here is where it potentially could get very worrying. Do you remember a few months back, I talked about how companies are being given scores to determine how socially responsible they are. Now, this is not just, again, an Australian scoring system. This is a global scoring system known as the ESG. So companies are uh, scored in those three areas, E being how responsible are they towards the environment. The S is how responsible are they on social issues? And the third is governance. So, you know, do they have um, an equal number of women employed as men, that kind of thing? Or how do they treat the trans community or the LGBT community? So basically, it's a set of standards for a company's behavior uh, used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. So the higher your score, the more chance you have of being picked up by investors. Westpac is an example. They score so high that they are being they're on the on the world stage of being uh, invested into. That's why we see so much rainbow flag waving and talk of sustainability and climate change and equality from companies, from anything from supermarkets to banks to many others. And what they're doing, and I've talked about this before, they're pushing agendas that have nothing to do with their actual products, which is why you see things like the banks uh, pushing agendas that have nothing to do with actually managing our money. Now, we ourselves are partly used to being scored through things like, um, I'm sure you're aware we all have a credit score, right? So that tracks it tracks if we're in debt, uh, if we've paid bills, if we've got outstanding bills. So that way, if we want to lend money, uh, lenders and mortgage providers will go and check our credit rating to see if they should lend money to us or not, or if we're a risk, are we trustworthy or not? And so we are used to being socially rated on experiences like Uber or eBay, right? So we are used to seeing some sort of a scoring system being rolled out, not just for companies, but even for us personally. Well, this is really taking things to a whole other level. At this year's WEF get together, which happens every year at Davo in Switzerland, the WEF and the WTO put a report together that said not only would they track movement and location, but they would track performance and contribution of people to a global circular economy. That sounds really far-fetched, right? But I, I know, keep listening. Now, the WEF also talks about something called a life score. Now, that means that not only is your identity going to be digitized, but your reputation also. A personal trust score is going to become the norm. So every which way you look, whether it's the WTO and the WEF or just the WEF on their own, you can see that what they're wanting to do is track our movements and our locations. And even more than that, they want to be able to track our performance and our contribution to society. 
So the WTO wants to track you to uh, to score you so that others know if you're trustworthy enough to do a transaction with, right? So think of Facebook Marketplace. Like you can see how other people have rated someone that you want to interact with. And if someone's got a one-star rating and a bad review, well, you're not going to buy something off of them. And so that's exactly what the WTO want to do, but on a global scale. Well, should I interact with this person for that business transaction? Are they trustworthy or aren't they? Now, the WEF wants to take it a step further and they want this to become something more that we do across society. So let me quote from the WEF. I quote, it's already underway in China where in a pilot scheme, citizens are being given a social citizen score based on individual actions. Their simple everyday choices from their shopping selections or patterns of bill payment to their choice of friend all go towards influencing that score, whether the person is aware of it or not. Fair or unfair, the results will be on permanent record. And then they add, it's easy to imagine a similar system becoming universal. Do, do, do. I feel like we need creepy music here. Now, here's the even scarier part. It gets worse. Your scores will be based on your behaviors and actions, all trackable, and any non-state approved behavior could result in you being prevented from doing basic tasks like buying a train ticket if your trust score is too low. So this is called the Digital Identity and Attributes Trust Framework. Let me say that again, the Digital Identity and Attributes Trust Framework framework. Now, by the way, your face will be able to be scanned linking straight to your ID proof and then your trust score will be quickly examined. Right? So so your face will be scanned and that will just link straight away to your uh to your ID, right? So they'll know, oh, that's Renee Bennett just from scanning my face, right? Now, if you don't think that's possible and you think I'm cracker crazy right now, did you know that during the Sydney Mardi Gras, they temporarily used technology to track people's faces in the crowds? What? Yes, they did, guys. I could not believe this. Someone told me about this. I'm like, this cannot be true. And I looked it up and sure enough, yes, during the Sydney Mardi Gras this year, they rolled out temporary technology. Have they even taken that technology down? I don't know what they said they did. And they were monitoring people's moods and expressions for crowd control and protection. You can look at this. It's in the Sydney Morning Herald. Okay. Maybe that sounds reasonable, right? Like they were, tra- they were tracking for, for crowd control. So they wanted to make sure that, you know, someone's not really angry and that they're going to cause an issue. But what if instead they're monitoring one day to watch people's behaviors or reactions to add or take away from your trust score? And then who considers what's acceptable and good behavior that warrants increased trust scores and what's unacceptable? This is why, guys, I do not have face recognition on my phone, right? I know some people might think, oh, that's just going a little bit far now. You don't have face recognition. No, I don't. Cameron does, and I always laugh at him and go, that is just so, are you kidding me right now? I don't want anyone to have my face recognition because one day, like they did here in the Sydney Mardi Gras, 
Now, at that time, they were just looking. I, I don't know if they could link that to people's, like who they are or not, but that's the way technology is going, right? And so I'm not saying this is this is definitely going to happen, but I'm like, guys, it's happening elsewhere. This is already happening in China. There was a school in China. Oh my gosh, guys, I kid you not. There's a school in China where the children, when they're sitting in the classroom, all of their faces are being constantly monitored and the teacher is getting reports on the computer. Look it up. I watched it on video. I was like, what the heck? So like if a kid was bored, the teacher would get like a notification on her computer. You, you Like their moods were being tracked and then the teacher was getting, um, getting like the report so that she could make sure that they were all working hard and they were all like on track, right? So potentially guys, I'm just helping you join all the dots here right? This is potential. This is why I don't use thumbprint identification. And I am not going to sign up for a digital license either. So potentially where this is heading, if we join the debt dots, and I'm not just guessing, but I'm actually looking at different websites where they're stating their vision in plain sight. I'm looking at ways that this is already being used here in our country is that our entire lives potentially could be tracked just like any other trade can be tracked. And we could be given scores for how socially responsible we are, just like companies are already being given scores for how uh, socially responsible they are. And then we could be rewarded or punished accordingly, just like they do in China. Let's finish off with what's happening in China already. Again, I've got links to all of this stuff if you want it. But I am quoting from a website right now that says, China's social credit system rates individuals, entities, and corporations in China. Did you know that? Have you guys heard about the Chinese social credit system? I was talking with someone the other day that had no idea what I was talking about. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is already happening. And remember, remember the WEF think that this is a good thing that this is happening, right? Like they're like, this is already happening in China. So let me say it again. I'm quoting from an article. China's social credit system rates individuals, entities, and corporations in China while its corporate social credit system applies only to businesses. The social credit system is based on many data points from financial credit worthiness to social factors such as honesty, hard work, and devotion to family. Now, the Chinese government say that their aim is to enhance the trust in society. Now, they are expanding their scoring, not just to businesses, but to all aspects of life. If you are caught jaywalking or you don't pay a bill or you play music too loud on a train or if you stand instead of sit on a train, you can lose certain rights like booking a flight or a train ticket. There is a journalist in China, China known as Liu Hu, I can't say it, L-I-U-H-U, Liu who, a journalist in China, who, because they write about, because he writes about censorship and government corruption, he has been arrested, fined, and blacklisted. He has been banned from taking out a loan, traveling some train lines, and buying plane tickets. Now, again, this sounds really draconian. Surely they're not going to do that to us here in Australia. Or would they? Ask yourself this question, is this possible for us here? 
And I think when we look at some of the things that have happened over the past few years that we never in a blue moon would have thought was going to happen, and yet it did, right? Like, did you ever think that people living in Victoria would be put on lockdowns where they couldn't go beyond five kilometers? My friend told me that drones and helicopters were going over their neighborhood to watch and monitor if people were disobeying. The police were checking people's number plates and then tracking it back to the digital records that they have to see if they were traveling outside of their five-kilometer zone. Did you ever think that would happen in our country? Did you ever think that if you didn't get an experimental vaccine, the true effects, by the way, of which were hidden from the public, and that there was no safety data to show that it was safe or efficacious, no long-term data, no medium-term, no even short-term data, did you think that if you didn't get that, that you would lose your job? We never thought that that would happen. Did you ever think that technology could be set up to track people's faces, to track their moods and behaviours right here in our country in Sydney during an event like the Mardi Gras? So, We've looked at what are digital IDs to the best of our knowledge. We've looked at where is this coming from? So we know there's a global agenda and where could this be going? And of course, we're we're joining the dots on that one by looking at examples of what's already happening here in Australia, looking at examples of other countries and looking at um, reports that are being put out by the WEF, uh, WTO and other global organizations that we know are wanting to roll out these um, digital IDs right around the world. So that leads me to, should we be concerned? Well, I'm going to leave that one with you to answer. How do you feel about that? Do you feel uh, that perhaps there is cause for concern? And let me say again, as I finish off what I said at the beginning, don't just give the agency of your life over because everyone else is doing it. Don't just give the agency of your life over to something just because it seems convenient in the moment. Be a critical thinker. Ask yourself, where's this coming from? Why do they want me to do this? And where could this be headed? And me, I'm a super critical thinker. Um, and so I, you know, even, even if you, if you think, oh, I don't know, it's really heading in that bad of a direction. Even if you just say to yourself, you know what, am I just allowed to sit for a minute? And instead of signing up to all of this stuff, how about I just take a breath and I'm, am I allowed to just sit and watch this unfold for a little bit longer before I decide Absolutely. In fact, I would say that's a really, really smart thing to do is to go, you know what, before I make this decision, before I jump in, before I download and upload, I'm just going to sit and watch everyone else for a minute. I'm just going to sit and watch the rest of the world and see where this is heading. I think that would be a really, really smart thing to do. So I hope that that's unpacked a little bit. We are learning together on this journey, guys. And I know this is one of my longer episodes, but it really needed a deep dive into this one. And we are really are learning together. There's a lot to take in. Um, but I, I hope that what I've done is help to join the dots a little bit for you and enough to make you stop and think. Guys, thank you for joining me. If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so by doing a 
a five star uh, five star review and then a sorry guys hit the five star button and give a written review would be super helpful and of course you can also put your support forward in the buy me a coffee platform which is on my instagram girlnextdoor.podcast or in the show notes below guys thank you for joining me and being so brave to dive deeply into uh, what is definitely going to be coming more across our paths in 2024. I love you guys and I look forward to being back with you next week. Until then, come along to my social media and chat with me there. Have a great one. Bye.